This can be played at high volume. Live and local. This is the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally time for the world-famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no-holds-barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Oh, you You better get ready. Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. And good morning, beautiful people. And the first question I got to ask you is, can you smell it? What's that smell out there? It's the pigskin. The smell of the pigskin is getting closer and closer to my nostrils right now. And that's a damn good thing because we are less than a month away from live bullets flying, toe meat and leather. An offensive line and defensive line of two different teams are going to be buttonheads in games that actually matter with the world of college football. We're actually, I think we're. Just a day less than a month away from LSU and Florida State on Labor Day weekend. Big old Sunday night action. Cajuns. Yeah, exactly. It's two, it's basically a little less than a month away, September 4th, when LSU takes on the Florida State Seminoles over in the Caesars Superdome. I'm gonna take some time to get used to saying that. But welcome to Under the Dome with CD. Hopefully you're enjoying yourself on this Louisiana Saturday morning. We got a lot to get to and appreciate you listening in however you're doing. So be it through the free one of the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles mobile apps, respectively. The towers of power that are the FM dials, 1037 Lafayette. And if you're heading towards Lake Charles, 1041 FM. Also, your Amazon smart speakers, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. All those different ways. You can just tell your smart speaker to play the game Southwest Louisiana. And bada bing, bada boom, you get in on the action. And more importantly, you get to listen to this great show over the course of the next two hours. And also, if you want to call in and get in on the conversation, and we got a lot to get to on this show, as we always do. You can call us at 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. Obviously, if you don't know, add a one at the beginning of that because area codes, it's the thing that's going on. And the way it is now, you got to put one and then the number. Trust me, I've learned that lesson on more than one occasion when I'm actually having to dial people locally now, having to put in the one because I sometimes forget to do that just out of habit. Especially people who I do call on a regular basis and actually have to dial their number. But that's a different conversation for a different day. Now, it's well past time to get down to brass tacks and talk about what's causing all this on a Louisiana Saturday morning. That means it's time for your Saturday Sports Sermon. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. It's time for your Saturday Sports Sermon.
Of course, we got to come out the gates firing on the biggest topic in all of sports in the last week, and that is one Deshaun Watson. We've kind of kept away from that subject because obviously it's a touchy subject, but we need to get into it right now to start off this show because without a doubt, it's the biggest story and the suspension or looming suspension he's going to be having. He's I'll start off by saying Sue Robinson, the retired judge, should have stayed retired. because, And she should be ashamed for the judgment that she levied on Deshaun Watson, saying that he should only be suspended six games. That said, it's not just a Sue Robinson thing. It's an NFL thing that's affected the league long before that first allegation against Deshaun Watson was brought to light. And it's the wheel of punishment approach it seems like the NFL has had for a long time and loves to utilize. He's outside of PED suspensions because those are largely set up in stone that you're going to be suspended for four games for first offense. I can't remember beyond that. And then eventually you get kicked out the league after, I think, the third strike. That makes sense. But outside that, everything else is very much wide open and it feels like Roger Goodell Treats it like an episode of Wheel of Fortune, spins the wheel, and the punishment falls where it may or doesn't fall. Basically, sometimes you get a free spin. And that's how things go in a lot of cases like this. You've had several cases where players are ruled guilty of domestic violence that only got four games. See Derek Coleman from a few years ago. I'm just going strictly off of the Goodell era. Because trust me, I'm sure if I wanted to go into the NFL's history of suspensions, I'm sure I would find some more, like, scummy stuff. Let's just go ahead and call it that. Jameis Winston, back when he was a Tampa Bay Buck, he was suspended for three games in 2018 after an accusation. Accusation, that's, that's singular. We'll get to that in a second. Of sexual assault. Michael Brooks, or actually, no, it's not Michael Brooks, sorry. Michael Kendricks. Michael Brooks is a different, whole different player. But Michael Kendricks, he pled guilty to insider trading. Guilty to insider trading. Now, he only got one day in jail, which is a damning thing in and of itself. But he pled guilty to insider trading eight games. And I'm not even getting into the thing that everybody's been talking about with Calvin Ridley being sent off to the gulag for a whole season. Some because of betting on gambling and putting a bunch of parlays together worth 15 hundo. At the end of the day, there's precedent for that. Go look at like, nobody talks about it, but Josh Shaw a couple years ago, he was suspended for the bulk of, like the tail end of the 2019 season and all of 2020 because he gambled on the sport. Then you have Alex Karras who many people might know as Mongo from Blazing Saddles and the dad from Webster. He was suspended for an entire year because of gambling. And that was in a very different time when sports betting was very much considered a little bit more of a taboo. Now, I think the door's wide open, so I can understand why a lot of people's frustrations, hell, even mine at least somewhat, but once you do the research, hey, it's clear, plain as day, that the league does indeed have a precedent for a season-long suspension. Hell, it's one of the golden rules of sports. Do not bet on the games if you're a player. Don't believe me? Ask Pete Rose. But 
going back to what I said with Jameis Winston, 2018, he had one accusation, singular, of sexual assault. Deshaun Watson had 23 allegations, plural. And yes, they're all accusations, and it got held up in courts for a long time, and the grand jury out in Texas didn't charge him or anything. And a lot of that stuff has kind of fallen to the wayside, yes. But at the same time, that doesn't really clear his name. It's all like selling out of court doesn't necessarily clear your name. And with all that, Sue Robinson recommends he only be suspended for six games. And I'm not going full Shooter McGavin here and yelling at Goodell to kick him off the tour. I'm not going to call him Doug either because that's not his name. But at least spin the wheel of punishment one more time and land on a little bit more of a fair punishment, right? That's kind of where it's at. And I give Goodell a crap ton of grief. And it's justified for a lot of different things. Not just for the suspensions, but with some of the stuff that he does. We could just, without even blinking, he kind of lets stuff fly by. Namely, deflate gate, spy gate. Largely, without any real you know, sanctions being thrown on them. Meanwhile, he throws the hammer down on others. And people in this area know exactly what I'm talking about, so no need to say anything more about the jabroni that is Roger Goodell and the way he handles things in terms of suspensions. But despite my hate for the man, I think we all agree he absolutely had to appeal the suspension. And there's a big reason why. It's the fact that there is a lot of heat on the league to make this somewhat right. And I'm not saying kick him off the tour, Doug. I'm not saying an entire season-long suspension. I'm saying at least a double-digit game suspension. Why do I say double-digit game and not an entire season? Well, because the NFLPA has said that they will be fighting to the nail against the NFL to avoid that kind of situation happening which is probably the biggest part of my, you know, consternation of all this. Because it's going to, if it's an entire season, it's going to cause a ripple effect with the NFL PA appealing the suspension if it gets to that point. It's going to be a wild ride if that happens. That said, I would not be surprised in the slightest if it is a 12-game suspension at the most. Is that fair? I think it's fair enough. I think it's fine. Because at the end of the day, I can't... I can't say yes or no to it. It's not the best choice. But again, your hands are kind of tied when you have to kind of appease a certain group like the NFLPA. You just signed a deal in 2020 to kind of extend your agreement that avoided a potential lockout. A lot like what we saw in the early 2010s. After the Saints won their Super Bowl, a lot of the players were in solidarity with the NFLPA, and it felt like a lockout was looming. Thankfully, cooler heads did prevail there. But, like, if it's an entire season suspension, that's going to wind up playing a big role in what the CBA agreement is between the NFL and the NFLPA in the future. And it's like, this has ripple effects not just in the short term, 
but I think in the long-term future and could strain a relationship that I feel like already has some cracks in the foundation but could become a lot more prevalent in the next couple of years if it does indeed happen to be a full season suspension. But again, I think it's going to be more along the lines of merely, and I say merely, that's not really putting it over that much, but I think a 12-game suspension would be where the wheel of punishment on the second spin does indeed land. I just hate the fact that we don't have a true, you know, format of a suspension, basically. Oh, hey, you have this? Oh, hey, okay, we're going to go ahead and suspend you X amount of games. There's no rhyme or reason with a lot of this stuff. And again, the Calvin Ridley thing is entirely different because there's precedent, and we talked about it, the history of sports betting and athletes where you do that you are pretty much done. Like You are going to get you know, suspended for an entire year in the case of the NFL. And in the MLB, you get banned for, for, for life. And again, those things happen with Alex Karras, Pete Rose, in an era where I think sports betting on the whole was very much a taboo. Now, you can't blink an eye watching a... TV broadcast without seeing advertisements advertisements for any of the several sports books that you can actually legally bet on here in the state of Louisiana. Trust me, anytime I watch the NFL, MLB, NBA, even WWE and AEW, they've gotten into the game to where I'm seeing ads. And that's a great thing. As somebody who is a fan of sports betting, but if you're a player, you shouldn't be betting on sports. That's kind of the golden rule of sports. And I can remember hearing stories back in the day where that was plastered in the locker room. Basically was a lot like how we had the win goalpost over in LSU's locker room. It's the same kind of thing. Do not bet on sports. So that is a whole different can of worms, at least in my heart of hearts. All right, it's Under the Dome with CD. If you want to call us up, 337-706-0111. I'll take some calls in the next segment. We got Steve Lassen coming aboard at 930. And we'll also get into some stuff involving LSU fall camp officially underway. I'll give you some overall thoughts and some takeaways from the first couple of days. So keep it locked right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Who is the world-famous CD, really? Whatever you think, when you think sports radio, he's the exact opposite. Yes, I will do the opposite. Let's get back to Under the Dome with CD before he starts acting like Costanza. George is getting upset! On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. Hopefully you're enjoying yourself on the Saturday morning. 
And if you're on 1037thegame.com listening live, why don't you kind of just poke around on the website and check out our rewards club. The clubhouse is chock full of stuff right now, and it's going to be chock full even more before you know it. This thing gets reloaded constantly with all kinds of great prizes, including a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse and Cypress Bayou. Also, a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. And I think also, there's a new place out there, the Acadiana Bar and Grill. We've got a chance for you to win a $50 gift certificate, $50 voucher. Go ahead and get that in your life right here, right now, in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com. I'm absolutely... I can't win any of this stuff. I wish I could, to be honest with you, because there's a lot of cool stuff up for grabs right here, right now. But it is what it is. Sometimes you just can't win them all. And in my case, I can't win it all it at all. We're going to have Steve Lassen coming on in the next 10 minutes. Appreciate you listening in once again. Well, let's get to some LSU talk. If you want to get to some LSU conversation or maybe you want to go back to the last segment and kind of talk to Sean Watson. The game hotline is indeed open, 337-706-0111. But here's some overall takeaways I have from the first two days of fall camp, starting off with obviously the biggest story heading into fall camp, and that is what's the quarterback position going to look like? What is the room looking like after two practices? And I'll go ahead and say this first off, because if you've been reading stuff, and like I have, and been seeing video, you can kind of observe where kind of the order is of the quarterbacks and how they've been practicing. I know in the first day, you wound up having Miles Brennan going second, Jaden Daniels going first, then you had Walker Howard going third, and Garrett Nussmeyer going fourth. Then the order got shuffled up again, apparently, during practice in day two, where you had... Miles Brennan going dead last at fourth, so on and so forth. We had, I think, Nussmeyer was second, Walker Howard was third, or Jaden Daniels was second, Garrett Nussmeyer was first. It was very much a weird kind of shuffling around. Now, I I understand why there's a lot of, you know, frustration from people over this. It's completely justified why there's frustration over it. But at the end of the day, there's something to be said about the fact that we're two practices in. It shouldn't matter. People are reading way too much into the fact that Miles Brennan is going second in the drills. That's the drills. This isn't the actual practice where you see players going at it. Where you're seeing them go through down and distance plays where you get to see the ones face the one. You have more of a true ones v ones and two v twos. And I think Brian Kelly, for the most part, has an idea of who his one and two are. Three and four, I think it depends on perspective. Walker Howard isn't going to be the starting quarterback his freshman year unless he somehow amazes Brian Kelly. Because I think they want to have him, a lot like Miles Brennan, put a little meat on them bones. He's small, put a little few extra pounds on him. Kind of That way he can 
take the hits, I'm interested to see how Walker Howard does indeed do. But he's got to have some time to, one, learn the system. Number two, like I said, put some meat on them bones. It's the same kind of thing that Miles Brennan had to go through during his time at LSU. So I think people are reading way too much into that first off. If I were to kind of hitch my wagon on one guy, I'd probably say Miles Brennan, just based off of what kind of offense that Brian Kelly has kind of preferred to run in the past. That said, Jaden Daniels, he could be a guy that shocks the world and takes over that spot. You don't just transfer over to another program without thinking you have at least a solid chance of getting a starting job. See Joe Burrow. Now we get to the running back conversation. I think we need to kind of get into that because Trey Bradford, he left the program shrouded in mystery. Brian Kelly wouldn't get into it. He mentioned something about laws, didn't mention anything else besides that. Just said he's no longer part of the program and, in fact, no longer part of the university. And Trey Bradford's whole story is a complete and utter mess. You've got him. He he was part of the team, admitted, left, transferred to Oklahoma, then midway through the season, left Oklahoma, came back to LSU. His dad kind of apologized, didn't approve of the decision, all that stuff. Trey Bradford, bit of a headache, but I think it's for the best to kind of part ways with him, move on. And now it's time for John Emery to step his game up. This is his golden opportunity to prove to us as LSU fans that he is that guy, pal. you got guys like Noah Kane they are going to do pretty doggone well, but I think at the end of the day, you have to step up. John Emery, guess what? It's time to ring that bell and prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are going to be the guy. Because we've heard a lot of hype. This is your opportunity to show the world and us that you can indeed be a star. Can't wait to see how that running back room does indeed shake out because I think Noah Kane is your other guy in that mix you heard me say in the two-minute drill that could be the number one running back. The only other thing really outside of some guys that miss camp and who shined in the first couple days is Brian Kelly. He mentioned number 18 and didn't want to give the name out. Now he's going to be a lot more serious about it as opposed to maybe other head coaches like Ed Ogeron where he had two guys have the number 18. He's putting a little bit more seriousness onto that. And he mentioned number seven with Keishon Boutte, just more of a fact of him. They, he wanted to give it to the most talented player in the state of Louisiana, which is a great look to kind of get more Louisiana players coming aboard. But we all know that number seven, and Keishon Boutte fits number seven to a T for a lot of reasons, and mainly the fact that he is what LSU has defined number seven to be. And it's the bad motor scooter and mean go-getter. That's what he is. Keishon Boutte is an absolute beast. And I'll say this, whenever he does become draft eligible, I guarantee you that guy has a chance to be a first-round draft pick. With all the talent that he has on He's put on display at LSU. In some lean years, he's still a phenomenal wideout. I can't wait to see what he winds up doing. That's a hot take there. But number 18, obviously, that's the more the guy that is the 
most personifies the culture at LSU and is the overall good dude and team leader. Could that be Miles Brennan? A possibility. I wouldn't be surprised if number 18, the first year under Brian Kelly, is the quarterback. I know Miles Brennan is wearing 15 forever, but I think number 18 should go to the guy that is going to be the true leader of the pack because that just fits everything. And the only other notes we really have, Jack Besh, he's injured to start camp, has some shin splints, so that's going to be interesting to see how he does as camp continues. He's, he didn't participate in day one, so interesting to see how he's going to do. Some freshmen on the offensive line kind of intrigued Brian Kelly, which I'm interested in as well with Harold Perkins and Bo Bordelon. They shine the first day of camp. They're going to be guys to kind of look at as we head closer to the 2022 season, where they kind of fit in that rotation. Because I think LSU is going to continue doing what they've done in the past and have it be not quite hockey-like line change, but we'll be seeing some rotation in and out of offensive linemen to make sure they're kept healthy, at least through the first couple of games of the season. Maybe not Florida State, but definitely those other two games. And we're going to keep saying it until the cows come home, until we get past the first four games. Starting the season 4-0 is absolutely critical for the Tigers' success in 2022. Maybe next week we'll get to my you know prediction for LSU's win total and record at the end of the year. We'll get to that probably on next week's show as well as the Cajuns. Well, to get to this, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns as well in hour number two with some observations from fall camp for them, at least according to my POV. We'll be back after this. Steve Lassen coming aboard talking college football and more right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. The world-famous CD may be in his 30s, but he's still a kid at heart. (laughs) Now, let's get back to a guy that has an unhealthy obsession with a number that offensive linemen wear with Under the Dome with the world-famous CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette on 1041 Lake Charles. And we're your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. And we're also your home for the Houston Astros weekend getaways. Number four is officially underway. We got your chance to go see the for you to go see one of the hottest teams in baseball take on the Baltimore Orioles on August 27th. And guess what? You can be there. All you got to do is sign up today in the game clubhouse to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations for that Saturday night. Astros Weekend Getaways are always powered by Butcher AC, La Meridian Houston downtown, and also the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And again, I said it at the beginning of the show, and honestly, I can smell it. We're just a few short weeks away from toe-meeting leather in actual games that matter in the world of college football. We're getting in close to the NFL. I know we're in preseason mode. We had 
the Hall of Fame game on Thursday. Hall of Fame ceremony is going on tonight. But I'm talking about games where the wins and losses matter. And we're going to talk about those games with our good friend, Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports. Steve, how you doing, my man? Hey, Clint. I'm doing great. I think you said it best there. We're one Saturday closer to college football, so no complaints here. I'm looking forward to getting this season going. Exactly. And forget all that Week Zero stuff. I understand, you know, you got the game out in Dublin, Ireland. That's cool. Hawaii's playing. But at the end of the day, we're more concerned with what's going down on Labor Day. And hearing that promo right before we came back from break, talking about LSU being one of the most unpredictable teams, do you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, I do. I think what's funny is, you know, that's kind of where I've almost viewed LSU a lot in the last, I think, five to, to eight years. They really feel like the, the SEC's annual wild card team. But I think long term, I think that's actually going to get resolved under Brian Kelly. I think LSU's going to become much more stable from year to year going forward. I think when you look at this year's team, I think there's a lot to like on the defensive front. I think this is one of the best defensive fronts in the SEC. Kayshawn Boutte is going to be one of the best receivers in college football. I think it's the other parts of the team that make it unpredictable. We know LSU's got great roster talent, but what happens at quarterback, what happens along the offensive line, in the secondary, I think is really going to determine how high this team can finish. When you when you look at the West, I mean, I think Alabama and A&M are going to be picked one and two by most this preseason, but once you get three through seven, I mean, really any of those teams could finish third, any of those teams could finish seventh. That's not really a knock on any of those. I just think that these are all pretty solid teams, and they're all probably somewhere in top 35 to 40. So it'll be an interesting year in the SEC West for sure. I mean, it always is, but I think especially now because I think there's a lot of intrigue with Texas A&M, especially after the statements that were made towards Nick Saban not too long ago, all that stuff to where everybody's going to be intrigued to see how they do. And that can very well determine, like you said, the order of finish in the SEC West, because I think in my mind, I'd probably say it'd be Alabama 1, Texas A&M 2. I wouldn't be surprised if Arkansas or LSU were 3 and 4, respectively. But then after that, it's kind of a, a crapshoot, because do you can you see Ole Miss kind of moving up in the rankings and all these different teams? Because it's, it's a mess, and I add the fact that I think the SEC West will cannibalize itself for the most part. Yeah, it really will. I think that's the challenge of finishing third or fourth in this division is you know, you'll probably finish somewhere in the top 20 to 25 of college football, um, but at the same time you're probably going to rack up a couple losses because there's a lot of good teams in here. I mean, I, I like Auburn to finish seventh in the in the West just because of some of the questions with this team. However, we have seen when Auburn is picked low in the West, crazy things have happened. Perhaps if that happens again this year, you look at Mississippi State, they bring back uh, so much of last year's team. It's Mike Leach's third year. You kind of figure that by now they're settled into that air raid approach on offense. If Mississippi State's the sixth or seventh best team in the SEC West, it is a really deep year uh, in the division. And, And not to mention, Ole Miss is just fascinating because of all the transfers that Lane Kiffin brought in, replacing Matt Corral is going to be very difficult. But if all those transfers hit, all of a sudden Ole Miss is a lot closer to three or number two in the West 
than they are number six. So I would agree with your statement. I think Alabama, Texas A&M are one and two, and I like Arkansas and LSU in some order at three or four. I think LSU will get better from game one to game 12, and I think with some of the questions that we have with the transfers that Ole Miss, the, the schedule for Mississippi State, it makes it really hard to project uh, three through seven in the division. Talking now with Steve Lassen, Athlon Sports, and let's go over to the Big Twelve for a moment because it feels like we could have we're on the dawning of maybe you know Oklahoma getting losing some of their luster because obviously Lincoln Riley leaves to go over to USC, takes the star quarterback, and the star quarterback kind of leaves the program not long after that, and we see kind of the new era of Oklahoma football, and we start to see what's going on with Texas. How do you see that? kind of shaking out could the Longhorns finally kind of have some semblance of being back I'm not saying that that I'm not going to go ahead and say the old Texas is back rhetoric because honestly (laughs) that's kind of getting tired like eventually at one point they will be but I'm getting tired of saying it every week and then they kind of just something happens yeah I think the best approach on Texas is go out and prove it to us I mean this team has roster talent there's no doubt about it. Quinn Ewers could be a, one of the top impact transfer quarterbacks in college football. He has the talent to upgrade this offense and especially the passing game. And they have skilled talent. I mean, Bijan Robinson, Xavier Worthy, both preseason All Americans. The problem for Texas is the line of scrimmage, defensively and offensively. And I think when you study the Big 12, the first thing that jumps out to me is none of these teams are a slam-dunk pick to be number one. You could have Baylor, you could have Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. I think you could even make a wild-card case for Texas or Kansas State. So I think it's really wide open in this conference. Would it surprise me if Oklahoma's defense improved under Brent Venables, Dylan Gabriel settled in at quarterback, and they made a run at the playoff? It wouldn't. I just think that there's a lot of good teams here. There's no great team. And I think what you're going to see is these teams just beat up on each other. So there is a possibility that that wild card approach comes into play for Texas because of how wide open it is. But I almost think this is a place where I will take the proven commodities, someone like Oklahoma and someone like Baylor, just because they've proven it, they've done it, and there's question marks all over this league this year. It definitely is going to be a lot of question marks. And I think one team that is going to have a lot of question marks heading into the 2022 season in the group of five has to be the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. They're the team that um, uh, has a lot of you know, question marks around it. That's the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Everything that's been going on with you know, a lot of players transferring out, you have a brand-new quarterback that you don't know who that is right here, right now. And a lot of the experts have them pegged as strong favorites to win the West, which feels inevitable in a lot of different cases because they've held dominion ever since they went to divisions. But the over-under, eight and a half wins, and I've kind of gotten differing opinions. If you were placing some some shekels on on the Cajuns, eight and a half wins, would you go on the over-under? I would probably take the under. I think I like somewhere eight and four for this team, I think they are a really hard team to figure out. I think, first of all, the coaching change. I assume that things will be pretty seamless from last year's staff to this year's staff, but you never know. Anytime a first-year coach takes over, you lose someone like Billy Napier, 
who was just so instrumental in getting this program to this point, not to mention his impact on offense. It, it is a big loss. And, and I think Levi Lewis was just you know, so perfect for that program and, and the things that he did, and now you're replacing him with three candidates that are pretty unproven, not to mention offensive line question marks coming into the year. So I have a lot of question marks with this team, but I also think when you compare Louisiana to South Alabama and to Troy, it's hard to pick against the team that's done it the last couple of years. If South Alabama or Troy or Southern Miss finds a quarterback and the offense for those teams take off, maybe things get interesting here. But I, I still think that there's enough good talent and that foundation is still in the program for Louisiana. I think their defense will be very good once again. I like the running backs that they have. So I, I will take Louisiana, uh, but I also think the strength of the Sun Belt this year is over in the East Division. I'd agree with that statement wholeheartedly there, Steve. And, you know, you brought up Troy. I got some flack. And, again, I have done a little bit of research into the Trojans, but they've been a team, you know, ever since Neil Brown left that kind of fell off a cliff pretty quickly. What do you say about them that maybe they're a little bit of a dark horse pick for those that maybe could be want to throw down some money on a dog in terms of winning the Sun Belt West? I completely agree with that. I think if, if a sleeper team – wins the Sun Belt West this year, it's Troy. You look at their defense, eight returning starters, and it was a defense that, you know, fourth in the Sun Belt in scoring defense last year. But there is a ton of potential here. Um, you know, John Summerall, the new coach, comes over from Kentucky. I think it's a great fit. I really think the only question mark that you have about this team is, you know, they were eighth in the Sun Belt in scoring offense last year, but they bring back nine returning starters on offense. So if they can just find the right quarterback, they have a good defense. Um, their schedule is a little difficult because they get South Alabama and they get Louisiana in back-to-back -back weeks in road games, not to mention they get App State and Marshall in crossover play. So I think in terms of just wagering, to me their, their upside is kind of limited, but also 8-4 and four might get them the division title if they can steal a win from Louisiana or South Alabama, I think they're definitely the wild card team to watch in the West. It feels like they have a lot of talent. They just have been underutilized the last couple of years. And, you know, looking around the world of college football, we were talking about the Big 12 a little while ago, and, you know, obviously the Pac-12 and their agreement, their potential agreement, excuse me, kind of fell through pretty quickly. What can you say about those two Power 5 conferences and where their future holds in the world where – I think we can all agree mega conferences is kind of the the next direction, the next step. Where even now, like we t we talked about a lot in the past about where you know regionalism doesn't really matter. It's all about getting the biggest names possible, and the Big Ten kind of proved that getting USC and UCLA. And now that we have Pac-12 and Big 12, not necessarily agreeing to have a partnership. Where do they kind of stand in this whole world of expansion? It's a great question because, you know, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is these two conferences should work together somehow because there's a lot of overlap in terms of geography out west, and if the Pac-12 wants to expand, it's probably going to try and poach a few Big 12 teams. I don't think they're going to be able to do it, but they're going to try, and I think you're going to see the Big 12 try to do the same thing to the Pac-12. They'll try to go after the Pac-12 team. So they're kind of fighting over the same teams in the same territory. I think long-term, 
the Pac-12 is probably the one conference that has to be the most worried here because if the Big Ten decides at some point it wants Oregon, Stanford, uh, Cal, and Washington, you know, the Pac-12 at that point would just fall apart because the other schools, the, the Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, would just go to the Big 12. I think it's funny that the, the Big 12 has actually a, kind of a lot of stability at this point. And that's funny considering what happened last offseason when Oklahoma and Texas left and there was every team trying to get out of the league. But I think the Big 12 is actually in a pretty good spot right now. I think if I'm more worried long term, it's the Pac-12. I think the only way that the Pac-12 is stable long term is Oregon and Washington are in the conference for the long haul. They're able to get a good television deal uh, with ESPN. And I think the next step is they have to decide whether they want to be a 10 12 or 14 team league i think they have to invite two more teams san diego state and and boise state make a ton of sense if they don't get an expansion candidate from the big 12 so it's a reversal of of previous years where the pac-12 felt pretty good i think if i'm the big 12 i feel pretty good right now and i think if i'm the pac-12 i'd be a little worried long term i got about 30 seconds steve and i ask you this every year week one what's one game you have to watch and kind of kind of plop down on the couch or whatever or the recliner or whatever and watch i'm going with florida state and lsu i am just fascinated by these two teams i know notre dame and ohio state are going to play but i think that game's going to be pretty one-sided but i think just seeing lsu and brian kelly's first year uh florida state has been improving in recent years they played well against Notre Dame in last year's opener. So I'm just fascinated by those two teams, some intrigue there. Of course, it'll be a great atmosphere in New Orleans. So I'll, I'll take Florida State and LSU. Hopefully Brian Kelly is a lot more chipper in his post-game interview for this matchup against Florida State than he was last year when he said he was in favor of execution. Yeah, let's hope so, right? <laughs> I mean, that'd be a good thing for LSU if he was in a much more chipper mood. It means they probably would have won. But, yeah, I think, you know, Brian Kelly seems to be enjoying himself so far at LSU. Let's, let's hope that continues. <laughs> exactly. Steve, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, brother. You too, Clint. Thanks a lot for having me on. All right, Steve Lassen, Athlon Sports. We're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. Got one more segment in this hour, and that means it's time to break down my fave five picks to click and also recap what happened last week. Yikes. Back after this on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. The world-famous CD always has his eyes on the lines out in Las Vegas. Hit me. 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Here's his five favorite bets for the weekend. Will he make you rich beyond your wildest dreams? Or will you be cursing him out after he goes 0 for 5? Let's find out on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD. Last week, we missed out on the five-pick parlay, but at the end of the day, it was a pretty yikes worthy one at least with one pick that i had i'll talk about that in a second right here on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles your home for the houston astros and lsu tigers and boy oh boy did i miss one like by a country mile that was one uh, you know Derek lewis winning by ko tko dq against some uh Ser- sergey pavlovich he didn't win he got his ass handed to him in that fight 
I should have never taken that pick, but also should have taken Padres over the Twins. They lost that one 7-4 last Saturday. They were decent favorites there. But this week, got a good feeling about this one. Mind you, I also have some other picks. Maybe I'll get to in the next couple weeks heading into football season. But let's go ahead and get to my five fave picks to click for this weekend. And we start off in the MLB. A lot of these are MLB picks, obviously. Start off with the Seattle Mariners, minus 205 over the Los Angeles Angels. Give me the Baltimore Orioles, minus 165 against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Give me the Tampa Bay Rays, strong favorites, minus 265 against the Detroit Tigers. And also, throw down, minus 255 on the Phils over the Washington Nationals, who have just been absolute dumpster fire ever since they won the World Series, a la the Florida slash Miami Marlins, both times. And we're going to go one more pick here, but we're going to go to the EPL. That's right, the Premier League is officially back in town. And I say hammer down on Man United. Again, they say never pick favorites. And honestly, this is one of my favorite teams because they've always been pretty decent, never reaching relegation. But give me Man United getting a win over Brighton at minus 155. Yes, we are betting on soccer. That's what it's come to in early August. Maybe we'll next week we'll have some actual picks to click on preseason football. Maybe. Just maybe. But hour one is in the books. Hour two coming straight your way after a sports update right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers. Starting off hour two with my top five play by play calls of all time. If you got yours, make sure you call us up at 337 706 0111. Back after this. <laughs> 